LaMelo Ball was special in their win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Can the Hornets make it two in a row against Milwaukee tonight at the Spectrum Center? And yeah, we give you a B-suit update. It's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, and you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. It's exactly where you can find us on YouTube. I imagine a lot of you have already done that, typed in Locked On Hornets and subscribed. Doug, I learned very quickly this weekend that if you give people a reason to come subscribe to the point where you are going to get embarrassed, then people will follow that because we very much so surpassed the 500 uh, subscriber mark that we needed to wear these B suit, these B costumes that look totally, totally ridiculous. And so we were, we were like seven short. Now we're at like 550. You guys want to see us embarrassed on this show. It was it was overwhelming. Uh, we we were stuck on four hundred for a while, and then we talked about the bee suits, uh, and people just flooded. And I think that shows that our audience loves us. Uh, I think when you love someone, you want to you feel it's it's an intimacy thing. You you feel comfortable seeing them uh, embarrassed. And yeah, so tomorrow I got so my suit comes today. Yeah, uh, with some shipping delays due to some snow that we had in Nashville. So I think we'll we'll do this tomorrow, right? So, <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to. I All bought right, it tomorrow. I, mean, I have to wear it now. It's, it's purchased. It's it's here. Like it came actually yesterday. What's hilarious is having it on my computer screen. Look, that guy that's wearing it is ridiculous. So you yep. put up the picture on Twitter. He's like this. Why is yep. he happy? Why is he running? Do bees run? I don't. I don't know why he's doing this. Why he felt the need to do that in the costume. And I pressed purchase on that. I think I even went by now. I didn't even add it to the cart. It's felt weird. It felt really weird. Uh, the bees, the bees that we cover run. Yeah, they're second they sure in the do. league in, nice. in pace that's of play. Re- that's really good, Doug. They sure are. And I think when you talk about the uh, player that allows them to run the most, it's Lamelo Ball. Man, watching that game Saturday night, I thought Lamelo Ball was just flat out awesome. I mean. You know, I don't want to come in and say, oh, it's the best game I've ever seen him play. We've seen some really special performances. Goodness gracious, though, Doug. Like, the, immediately, too, when you see the the tapped-out rebound, he tries to get it, tap it to himself, finally gets it, and then we get to the behind-the-back half-court pass on a dime to Mason Plumley, all in the heat when Chris Middleton is trying to get the basketball, too. So not only does he just grab it and secure possession – he immediately passes it behind his back all that distance, again, with 100% accuracy. And Mason, he puts the exclamation point on it with a nice little Mason Plumley reverse dunk. I Play of the year for a guy Whoa. that has a bunch? I'm just, uh, look, I'm asking you, is that the play of the year that we've seen so far? And how much potential does it have to hold up to be play of the year at the end of the season? Disregarding context, not some game-winning shot at the right. end, disregarding disregarding context uh, text coolest thing you've seen for flat out what the plate is worth coolest play of the year so far 
Yeah, I can't, I can't off the top of my head think of one. I think I have to declare that the coolest play we've seen LaMelo ball. It was the most mind-bending play, and he's had some mind-bending passes this year. But it but it was one of these that I watched over and over again, even beyond the little tap-out uh, steal that he had. Uh, that that pass behind the back, I just don't understand how he executed that so. <laughs> He's in perfectly. the air. He's like pirouetting and still doing it. I, you, you should be dizzy. It's fluid. It's fluid. It's ballet. Yeah. It is performance art. Um, I don't quite understand what we're watching right now, but I'd like to see more of it. And I think you're right. Lamelo Ball will have opportunities late in this season and in the playoffs. Knock on wood. Uh, he will have opportunities to beat that play out because of context. Uh, but that that will stand, I think, as the coolest play we've seen this year. I thought LaMelo half-court game was great. I thought transition was really good, like it always is. The shot wasn't even falling, really, from the perimeter. Only two of no. seven. I mean, it wasn't a disastrous night shooting, but it certainly wasn't one of his strongest. Had some timely ones. Had the deep three early on, I believe. But even still, what, what fascinates me about the ceiling of one LaMelo ball, it's is the 25-point-a-game score in there somewhere to be had through a full season? And I think that he showcases that when he takes guys off the dribble, crosses you up, breaks your ankles, has the floaters in the paint. And he had yep. that working against Milwaukee where he's able to create his own shot and get into the paint and finish with teardrops. You know, there's this one – it's almost like a, a two-foot – floater you know how you're supposed to jump off one foot for the floater right he had one of those on the left free throw the left elbow you know two foot floater it was weird and he hits it like he he's got that part of his game that makes me think okay is there a point in his career where he's gonna give you 25 a game and still give you the assist still give you the rebounds part of that's gonna have to be whether the team ask for that or not because Terry Rozier is, is that guy that you go to for more so scoring. Gordon is supposed to be. We can get to him maybe later. Not a good shooting night for him. But Terry Rozier, that's kind of the guy that you rely on more so. I would prefer, I would prefer not to get to him later. Well, that's fine. We don't have <laughs> if you're to. Giving me, if you're giving me the choice, I would prefer not to. Well, then we'll, 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 we'll stick all positive. That's fine. But you, you get what I'm saying. It's not required of LaMelo to be that guy. And LaMelo still shows you that he can be if need be. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed both with uh, Ball's aggressiveness in terms of going to the rim, but then when when the moment was biggest, this was fourth quarter, the uh, Bucks were making a run. They couldn't stop Giannis. Giannis was going to the foul line a thousand times. There was, there was nothing they could do about that. Chris Middleton was starting to hit some shots late. They, uh, the Bucks reduced the deficit to four, and LaMelo Ball draws the double-team attention, or maybe there was a miscommunication between Portis and, I believe, Wesley Matthews. And Rozier opens up wide open. He get, Ball gets the pass to Rozier. Rozier knocks it down to put him up seven and really seal the game. Um, you know, when, when Ball saw that matchup with Portis, I think the natural inclination for some guys mm -hmm. is to think, oh, I've got this mismatch, game on the line, let me do this thing. And instead, he saw the he saw the play beyond the play, and got it to Rozier wide open for the three. Trusted his guy, and Rozier knocked it down. Uh, just just an amazing yeah. game overall. 
I, and it really was, and it's funny because here we are talking about the coolest play of the year from LaMelo. It happens right off the bat, and I thought there were a bunch of other really good ones. There's the there's the one pass in the paint I thought was really hard to fit into the space to get to Kelly Oubre, and he does. It's all I think Kelly Oubre, if the play, if my memory serves correct, it's him kind of as the second cutter right off the heels of another cutter going through the paint. Boom. Tight window, LaMelo hits it. The alley-oop catches Milwaukee sleeping. I think Bobby Portis was nearest to the rim at that time, and it's Miles Bridges that comes in for a slam. I want to talk about Miles in this game, too. I thought he was just an absolute beast physically. I thought he took it to the Milwaukee Bucks. But LaMelo, there was just so many plays where I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is so special. And I think you can even hear it in Eric Collins' voice when he was calling the yeah. game. He would give you some of these, you know, one of just a million awesome passes. And Eric Collins was like, this kid is a stud and he he had a fun game calling that one as well so man it's fun and to have him was, as your star yeah and just kind of zooming out to this game overall I mean this was a very physical game and the Hornets for once this season stepped up to that challenge I I understand that the Milwaukee Bucks were have are missing a lot of their role players it's part of the reason they lost this game because I mean you look at the box score Chris Middleton had a great game Giannis had a great game Bobby Portis had a great game and then essentially they had no one else that they could throw the ball to five bench points uh, that's it from all, all from one yeah play. so that's why Milwaukee lost but why the Charlotte Hornets won is because they stepped up to the physical challenge and said, all right, we're not shooting the ball well, but we're not going to let that affect our defense. They hold Milwaukee to 106 points, and we're going to force the ball inside. You saw Bridges do that. You saw Oubre, who had a bad shooting night, get inside, dunk the ball a thousand times. Uh, this, this was a great game for the Hornets. This was the win, Walker, that I've been waiting for from the Hornets. Bad, tough shooting night from some of the guys. Could they step up, play play enough defense, win a tight game that was physical? They did it, and it was amazing. Yeah, t Terry didn't have a bad shooting night, and he got you going. Lamelo stepped up, scoring the yeah, basketball you when you needed. Right? No, yeah, and Lamelo. What I'm saying is Lamelo. Uh, stepped up when you needed him the most to score because he had eight assists. Mm -hmm. He only made two threes, but getting into the paint and getting there, you know. With dribbling between his legs a million times and then finally catching you, you know, sleeping and then driving right by it. I, I thought it was a great LaMelo game. I thought Terry was good, obviously scoring the basketball. And then I want to praise Miles Bridges here in the upcoming segment to talk about the way that he performed on top of PJ Washington. Just a lot of positive things in this one in that win over the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better. All of those candy bars, all of those built bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're high in protein, they're high in fiber, but they're low in calories and they're low in sugar too. It's weird. I don't know how they're able to do it. And all of the flavors are great. You have the OGs, like just the double chocolate, salted caramel. You have some fruit, like banana with chocolate, orange, raspberry. They're all so good. Go to built.com. Use promo code and get 15. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. We got a couple more things to talk about over this win against the Milwaukee Bucks to see if they can also do it again tonight. That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than tough. counterclockwise. I've tried it. It's really tough. <laughs> 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think Miles Bridges was excellent in this one, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But one thing we need to get to with LaMelo here, Doug, it's the fact that we talked about this during the James Borrego segment that we did on Friday. You know, Mm -hmm. how much is he on the hot seat, if you will? And he's not going to get fired, right? Like, unless there's some disastrous way that they end the season. You know, JB, I don't think we're talking about him actually getting fired, but we're asking how much pressure is on one James Borrego in a fourth year where you're trying to make the playoffs pretty clearly as the team gave themselves that mandate. You know, you've got some player development and that's all been very good, but now it's time to take this to the next level and that's get into the postseason. And you would think it's by playing your star player pretty frequently. And LaMelo mm-hmm. Ball only played 26 minutes in this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. LaMelo fans have long noticed this for a while. Yes. That James Borrego is not playing LaMelo enough. And I thought it was out of control at first with the fans. I thought, you know what, it's uh-huh. like this is not that big of a deal. Um, but in that episode we did with JB, like it's starting to be a little weird. It, it, it is. And, and I think you can look at this one. And LaMelo finished the game with five fouls. And so James Brago might just have this philosophy of, hey, look, I'm not testing it. LaMelo, he gets really gambly out on the perimeter. Maybe he runs into somebody on an inadvertent pass. Like maybe the instinct sometimes just give him a foul that that I'm scared of that's going to happen. And so I want to take him off of the court for this. And I can understand that. But like there are some reasons, there is some validity to LaMelo Ball fans wanting him to play more and JB just continues to put him under 30 minutes a game even behind a couple of other guys on this team. Yeah, so let's let's look at the numbers. So LaMelo is third in minutes per game uh, to Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges, but he's first in touches overall. So he's making the most, uh, and I'm not going to call it limited minutes. I mean, he's playing over 30 minutes a game in every game he's tied with Terry actually for third in minutes they're they're both at 31.7 he's 7th overall in the league in the NBA for touches uh per game um so i i think that i'm i'm sort of where you are walker mm-hmm. in that the i think the fans are some of the fans are a little overboard on their wanting lamelo to play like 40 plus minutes a game but I think they do have a point that I don't know if LaMelo Ball should be second. I think he should be second maybe to Bridges or, or first, you know, or maybe tied with Bridges. He, he should have more minutes. But I also think there have been some contextual issues this season that have kept LaMelo Ball off the floor in certain games. One of those is he does tend to get in early foul trouble sometimes. I agree with Borrego's strategy in this game against Milwaukee. This was an important game, and he wanted LaMelo Ball in the fourth quarter. And, hey, by the way – LaMelo Ball was great in the at the end of that game, the end of the fourth quarter. And so if if they don't have LaMelo Ball because he picked up his sixth foul, you know, in the in the early part of the fourth quarter, it would that have benefited the Hornets? I don't think so. So there've been that contextual issue and the other issue I think is that the Hornets have found themselves on either side of blowouts this season. They have, they have, many times they have yeah. blown teams out or been blown out and that that's going to affect your your star player minutes. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think a fresh LaMelo, somebody that you're kind of saving for 
uh, from also getting in foul trouble, that makes sense yeah. to me. Like your your most important player because Lamelo is clearly their most important player. Gordon Hayward, you know, even though he's been not shooting the ball lately, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, that's your core four. And I would still say Lamelo is what makes that team go because they are good in transition. He's one of the best passers in the league. He allows everybody else to be great. I I think Lamelo is that guy that is so important. And you're right. Like remember the first what 15 games of the season. LaMelo just could not stay out of early foul trouble. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's been as much of a problem, you know, compared to, I don't know whether it was the first 10, first 15. It's not been as big of a problem as it was at the very beginning. But dude would pick up two fouls in the first quarter <laughs> every single game. And, like, I, I could understand at that point, it's like, all right, you know, look, we're just starting the season off. We can't have you sitting in crunch time. Um, or even in some of the, you know, the Ish Smith game is one thing I think of. You know, when he was just so hot, LaMelo himself, Told James Borrego, yeah. leave this in. Like I'm good. And I, you know, there there have been some weird things well, that so have contributed that's, to this. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Walker. He has been deferential at times for the sake of the team. That's something that you love about LaMelo Ball, but that is ultimately going to affect his individual minutes. The second thing that's part of that same deal when he when he was like leave ish in is that the the, the absolute fact of this season is that the starting five have not played very well together. This is not one of the best or, or even the the sort of uh, middle of the NBA starting lineups. This is uh, this group, the starting group has not played well together this season. And so you've seen multiple games where Borrego has either gone to a significant bench lineup or a mix of bench and and starters and you've seen a couple of Ish Smith games where where he's come up and been the the energy point for the team. And I think part of that lies on JB for getting this starting group right. I think part of that lies on the fact that they're deficient at center. And I think part of that has to lay with LaMelo. Um, you know, I think you know, if you if you want to be the leader of the team, um, then you have to take some responsibility for the fact that the starting group is not playing um, as well as it could together. The, the thing is, though, like I understand that because of the star power, I think so much of that lies on your second point and that they're just not good at center because Mason Plumley is the guy that counts for those starting five numbers and the starting the, the numbers with Mason on the court. They're just so bad. However, you want to slice them, you know. Give me any power. Give me any player combination you really want to that matters. Ugh. And Mason is going to take them down. And then when you put PJ in, when you put Jalen McDaniels in, when you have Miles yeah. at the five minutes in, like that that raises the numbers so much. Like it to me. Yeah. I, I hate to just point. Oh, it's all on Mason. Like, but it is. He he brings the numbers so far down, and that brings me into a second point, Doug. Where like you look at the defense against Milwaukee. I thought it was good. Giannis scores uh-huh. 40, and he made tough, tough shots. Like, I thought P.J. provided a ton of resistance down low, and then Giannis is just going to dunk it because it's probably him, Joel Embiid, and I don't know, maybe a couple of other players I'm forgetting that can do some of those things where you're just down low and I'm going to dunk it. There's nothing. You, you could you could stab me, and I'm still going to dunk it. Like, I mean, there's nothing you can do to stop him. And Giannis had some of that. Also, three three three-pointers, had a fadeaway. Middleton is hitting tough shots. Like, that's the reason that the Bucs were in this game is because they had two awesome offensive players that hit really tough shots. But it was P.J. providing that resistance. LaMelo, I think some of the other guys got involved. Miles, I I keep wanting to talk about him. I just thought he was a linebacker playing in this game against Milwaukee. He wanted it as much as anybody. I'll give you that cliche. Like, just 
pounding dudes inside. I, I thought that was some of the reason why the defense looked so good. Yeah, um, this will be interesting. I, I I love that they made Giannis work for everything he got, and and I you know. I don't understand how they officiated Giannis. It doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. They they were calling things on him that they wouldn't call when he did them to you know on the other end of the floor. It just wasn't equal in my mind. So the the, the officials have to figure out how to officiate this guy because it, to me it's just totally unfair. So that, that's that's number one. But they made him work for a lot of it, and so I wonder how that affects Giannis in this second game. To me, this is like playoff preparation. You're getting two home games versus the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, just a night in between. You know, can the Hornets uh, deal with the adjustments that Milwaukee is obviously going to make, and deal with the fact that they can't possibly get only five bench points two games in a row. There will be adjustments. There will be changes made. Can JB make the counter adjustments? And can the Charlotte Hornets, can the players come out with the same kind of attitude two nights in a row versus the same opponent? If they really have playoff aspirations, if they really have dreams of winning a playoff series, it has to start tonight. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what, what James Brago, what the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets team is able to do the second time. Hey, I, hey, can I say can I say one more thing on the Mason Plumley thing before we go to break? Yeah, that's fine. Because uh, it, it it reminded me of something I watched uh, Borrego's post game press conference, and he said, and I kid you not, I'm paraphrasing, but he said that Mason Plumley does things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Oh no, sheet. <laughs> oh no, he did not. He did not say that. <laughs> did you did you explode? He did? <laughs> He did. <laughs> I bet your head I, I'm popped like, off. Here, I'm glad you the, were able to reattach it. All right, so for those that are just now watching us, um, I have a history of, of really being upset with the Charlotte Hornets having centers that only do things that don't sto- show up in the stat sheets. Uh, like Co- that, That's the thing that we said about Cody Zeller for years. Oh, he does things that don't show up in the stat sheet. He's like, hey, it's okay to show up in the stat sheet. I, <laughs> Walker, I feel like I am the Bernie Sanders meme. I am standing here once again <laughs> yeah. asking the Charlotte Hornets to acquire a center mm-hmm. that does things in the stat sheet. And look, man, here's the thing, though. Like, with Cody, we could disagree. With Cody, at least some of that was true. Mason isn't. Like, it's just a flat-out lie for Mason Plumley. Well, I'm- and when you have – listen, when you have LaMelo Ball – when you have LaMelo Ball who can facilitate – Cody Zeller never had a LaMelo – well, I mean, he did for one year, but he never had, like, LaMelo Ball in well, this Cody way. Cody wasn't in the court Mo- when he had LaMelo. Like, right. JB didn't want to play him. Right, yeah. So, like, <laughs> my thing is, uh, you have LaMelo Ball, you need a center who can do things in the stat sheet because LaMelo Ball allows your center to do things in the stat sheet if that center is able. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, who knows? The in-season trade could happen with Mitch Kupchak. He was the deal maker in L.A. Now you know, he's just kind of doing the whole player development thing. But this could be the year that they pull the trigger on some kind of in-season trade. Do want to talk to you guys about Bet Online? Would you, uh, they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. They remain the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite, uh, favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest 
and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. The burger marketing campaign for the Charlotte Hornets. Are we buying in? We talk about that next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So after that win against the Milwaukee Bucks, let's do a standings check to see where the Charlotte Hornets are in the Eastern Conference. After that win, they stand at 21-19 and 19 on the season. So a couple games above 500. they They've been kind of flirting with that mark all season long, and here they are a couple of games above. Now they stand in the eighth spot, 21-19. They are a half game back of the Toronto Raptors, and here come the mm. Cleveland Cavaliers, falling closer and closer to the pack. Here Unfor- go the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, 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 come, yeah, I guess if you're behind them, then they are going away instead of coming back to you. But they're 4-6 and six in, the la- in the last 10 games. Ricky Rubio hurt for the season. Huge part of what Cleveland was able to do, him being a leader, doing the facilitating thing up with Cleveland. And so now they're four games above 500, coming back to the pack a little bit with the Raptors, Hornets, Wizards, Boston Celtics, even New York Knicks can be considered in that part as well at 19 and 21. And so you look at the Hornets just a game behind the Cleveland Cavaliers to get in that Mm -hmm. sixth spot, then it's Philadelphia where the Hornets are two games behind. And that's where, like, that's pretty much where you're living. You know, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Chicago, they're all four games or more above you in the standings. And I don't see that changing. So when we talk about a playoff spot, getting in an outright top six spot, Doug, I think the highest you probably are looking at for Charlotte this year, it's that five spot. And that assumes Philly doesn't end up getting it together with a Ben Simmons, which I don't. you can't really depend on that, any kind of trade, just whatever, right? Changes could be coming for Philly. Five spots still seems like the ceiling to me. I don't even – I think six – honestly, I think six spot might be the ceiling for me at this yeah. point because, look, Philly's won six in a row. I think they're figuring it out. I think they only get better if they make some kind of deal at the trade deadline. I really think the one through five in some kind of order is locked in the East, Bulls, Nets, Heat, Bucks, Sixers, you know, pending some kind of weird um, injury, which you would hate to see. I mean, I want to see a competitive Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I don't want to see the Hornets, you know, get a five seed that way. So – I think they the really the battle is for that sixth seed to avoid the play-in game, and they have two games against Cleveland left. the The series is split right now, one-one, and they have uh, all three games against Toronto left. Um, so tiebreakers are totally available for the Hornets if they win those big games uh, in in the second half season, and uh, uh, you know Washington. I think Washington, Boston, Charlotte, Toronto, Cleveland all going to be fighting tooth and nail for that sixth seed so it should be really interesting down the stretch yeah huge games that's why we thought the Washington loss was such a big one that they allowed the Wizards they got off to an awful start came back had a double digit lead and then the Wizards went crazy in the fourth quarter just like they did the first and that was a big loss for them so Cleveland you mentioned a couple of those games a couple of those series they are going to be pretty big all right Doug let's get to this marketing campaign for the Charlotte Hornets with the all-stars that they have potentially in place a LaMelo ball Miles Bridges. I think Terry Rozier is making an appearance in that one as well. 
And so when we look at the Charlotte Hornets' history of marketing their players, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I remember mm-hmm. the Kimba Walker Most Improved Player campaign. That was really cool. The best one probably is Big Al's Paint when they gave paint cans and T-shirts to everybody, all the members in the media. I think you could get that too if you were a fan, like one of those giveaways, first 500 or whatever, whatever it was. But they usually do a really good job at this. Good Burger is now the marketing campaign that they're rolling with with LaMelo and Miles Bridges and some of the other players on the Charlotte Hornets team. Everybody loves Good Burger, right? It's classic. I don't know how it ties into this. Not sure how it ties in with LaMelo or any other players on the team. I feel like this is more of an idea problem than it is an execution problem. How do you see this marketing campaign with the Hornets? So the Hornets have yeah, traditionally had really great campaigns. Uh, the, the, the one that you mentioned was like highlighting Kimball Walker's excellent shooting. So it had like a Western theme. That's and right. uh, that was one of the, I think that was one of the maybe the, the most improved of the all-star campaigns. But then you had the S'more Graham campaign. Oh, yeah. That was great. great. Big Al's paint. And then you uh, the, one of my favorites was the MKG all-defense team. They did like a security uh, thing and and I thought that was that was super cool too like a security system campaign that MKG was your security system so yes they have had great campaigns I'm I'm not totally in love with this one because I would challenge you does everyone love Good Burger Oh I, I think, think so I, I stand by that statement everybody loves Good Burger I'm not saying that people don't I'm I'm not challenging the love part people that know Good Burger love Good Burger I'm <laughs> okay. challenging the everyone part I okay. don't think that everyone gets that I it took me a second honestly and I grew up with Good Burger I'm like what are they what are they doing here? And and my I, I did a lot of drama in in uh, high school and college. And the one thing that they pr- press into you is that if you're going to make a choice, you have to make a choice. If anyone kind of gets your idea, then they, they don't get your idea. Then your idea wasn't executed properly. It needs to be obvious. And I think they have to skirt around certain you know copyright kind of things. But at the end of the day, I'm like, what is the Buzz City Burgers? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And, and I, I just, I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not working for me, Walker. Yeah, no, it's not working for me either. Not nearly as much. And part of the problem is that the Hornets have set the bar pretty unbelievably high and they answer that bar so consistently. I forgot all about the s'more Graham thing and they, they really gave Graham crackers out chocolates, marshmallows to everybody in the media. And I remember sitting at the seven 30, the game station, just eating some s'mores while we're about to do a radio show because they passed it out. I forgot about that Whatever, whatever you think about that idea, the s'more thing or the security system or uh, the big Al's paints can like, you got it. You got the idea. Idea. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure this landed with the punch that they wanted to. And I think it goes to a complaint that I'm seeing uh, among some of the fans that, you know, that the all star push for LaMelo Ball hasn't been as vociferous as those fans would would have liked. And, and I don't know how fair that accusation is, but it's a feeling amongst uh, of LaMelo's fan base. And look, he mm-hmm. comes in fifth place and amongst guards in the East. And I laid some of that on the feet of uh, LaMelo's fan base. But I think, I think it's fair to also question, like has the, have the Hornets had, the, has the organization done everything they can to profile this guy and say, you know, that he deserves more all-star love. I, I'm not sure. Well, and, and part of that problem too, I think is the fact that LaMelo has 
as good of a shot to get in as anybody where Kimba, mm -hmm. you had to fight for Kimba a little bit to yeah. make these. Like, it, he was always right there on the line of whether he would get in. There was one year where I believe it was Goran Dragic who got in ahead of him, and there were a couple of other players that people were mad at that got in ahead of Kimba. Eventually, he would be named to the All-Star game, but it was after, like, injuries and, you know, the different things that took place. You know, Al Jefferson, when you're trying to hype him up in a Bobcats era – it's going to be tough. you got your work set out for you. You need to make sure, hey, we've got something pretty cool here in Charlotte with this Bobcats franchise. Pay attention to Big Al's paint because he's the best low-post scorer in all the NBA. LaMelo, I mean, everybody's talking about him. Like ESPN, you know, he's, count, he's, he's all the time on these big-time publications, these big-time accounts. And I wonder if that is part of the reason of, well, the message is out on LaMelo. Like, do we help out any of these other players and or do we have to do it as as much as we have helped? Some that's of part of, I think that's part of the frustration of LaMelo Ball fans is like, what are we why are we doing these group projects? Like just <laughs> yeah, highlight, his own. highlight yeah. the actual future of the frame. Like there's one player I love. I love what Miles is doing this season. Terry, you know, certified gamer. I'm all over Terry Rozier. I think mm -hmm. he's earned every cent of his contract. And I think Miles Bridges has earned every cent already of whatever contract he ends up getting from the Hornets or some other team. But I think it's clear there's one player and one player only mm -hmm. that will lift this franchise into possible Eastern Conference elite contention. And it's one LaMelo ball. And and maybe some more singular focus should be put on that idea while he's still wearing till and purple. What 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 is cool though, it is I think those are probably his best friends on the team, is who he's doing this campaign with. I think it's Miles Bridges uh, well, and Terry well, Rogier. There's the, the other thing too is that I don't know if LaMelo really gets the good burger thing because he's totally too young. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? He's yeah. totally too young for the good burger he thing. Is. So they're just they're just sort of I would have liked to have seen personally, an all-star campaign that maybe involved Terry and Miles, but that was more something in LaMelo's wheelhouse. I, because you got to get the players to be super invested in the campaign. Because otherwise, I think that's part of why I didn't love this, because it like some of the promos and stuff that I've seen so far, I'm just like, it's just kind of falling flat. It doesn't feel like there's just like full engagement. Uh, and, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that the idea is not totally jiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. I, we, we didn't even address, by the way, when we, when we got to the Giannis foul calls, we didn't even address that it's been in your back, in, in, in your background the entire time. Today's podcast has been called for a foul on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I just kind of want you to start pulling the Woody Page idea and just having something different back there, at least for the start of every single show. We should do that. Um, that's <laughs> I'll do my best. For you. But you know what I when I promise when I promise something, mm -hmm. you know. The bee suit is a miracle. It's a miracle that tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. when you turn on your YouTube oh, channel, I forgot. we will actually be wearing bee suits because we tend to say we're going to do things. And then um, it's changed a little bit. This new era, though, this refreshed, recycled era. There's an I accountability like to people seeing our faces. That's right. And, and seeing what we're doing here. So tune in tomorrow, Tuesday show on YouTube. We'll be wearing the bee suits. And if I we mean, get to a thousand. Yeah, we'll wear the B suits again and paint our faces teal. <laughs> why, why? Why are you combining these things? That was not a part of the original plan. Why are we? Because I want it? the attention. I want the love of the fans. I want a thousand YouTube you subscribers. It. You can have it. I don't want it. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every we'll day. We'll get a dunk tank. We'll dunk. We'll dunk Walker <laughs> in a dunk tank. This is the part where I'm supposed to tease the next episode, and yet I don't want to. But. 
<laughs> the B suits tomorrow. Goodness gracious. Make sure your second listen is Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and it's available on all platforms. Tomorrow, B-suits and all. Be there. We'll be there on the Locked On Hornets podcast. <laughs>